Enjoy this flyover clip. In the New Testament, there's a lot of references to demons. Now, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians does talk about how demons, you know, those who sacrifice to false gods are sacrificing to demons, right? So there's the New Testament equivalent of that, what I said in the Old Testament, where the, the, the pagan gods have demonic reality behind them. They're not just mythological constructs, is my point. So there's that going on still in the New Testament. But here's the interesting thing. The Bible talks about demons. This is another notion that many Christians have a misunderstanding of because of the imprecise language of this word demons and, um, or the lack of, of details. And the de demons are evil spirits. And one of the misunderstandings of demons is that Christians call them, yeah, they're fallen angels. Fallen angels, right? Fallen angels. And then that's where we get this con concept of like, in, in, maybe in the Old Testament, oh, these angels fell, they're demons. Like, No, no, actually, that's not what demons are. Demons are evil spirits without bodies. They're looking for habitation. The Bible doesn't say where evil spirits come from. Um, they're, you know, the only demonic possession in the Old Testament is Saul. He's haunted by an evil spirit, right? Uh, there are, there's demonic language, obviously, but, but in terms of how, the how we understand demons now, when we think of demons, we think fallen angels, but they're not fallen angels. Now, the Bible doesn't say exact, unfortunately, the New Testament doesn't tell us where, where they come from. However, there is intertestamental literature that does argue that demons are actually something specific. Before I go there, I want to say this. Angels, so they're not fallen angels. Well, why do you say that? Well, because demons are, uh, are spirits, evil spirits looking for bodies. But what do we say angels were earlier? Angels have bodies. They're heavenly bodies, heavenly flesh. That's what Jude said. They have flesh, but it's a different kind of flesh. It's not earthly flesh, but it's flesh. So a demon cannot be a fallen angel because an angel has a body. And so that's one of our common misnomers. And that's why these angels are these heavenly host beings and these watchers, and they are different creatures. Now, I would say they're demonic in the sense that they're evil, spiritual evil. But literally, the demons that Jesus are casting out of people, that's not what they are. So what are they? Well, the Bible doesn't literally say. However, the Bible quotes a, and that, so... Bible quotes an intertestamental uh, uh, literature called the Book of Enoch. And um, where that's quoted is also in Jude. And that's where Jude says, Enoch says that, you know, the Lord will come with 10,000 of his, uh, myriads of his holy ones to bring judgment. And he's literally quoting from the Book of Enoch. Now, there's all kinds of arguments that people make, you know, why that, oh, it doesn't mean the Enoch's not scripture, but I don't believe Enoch's scripture. But if you look at the whole book of Jude, the whole letter of Jude, you actually find he's making multiple references to concepts from the book of Enoch, not just that quote, but he's quoting from Enoch, which means you don't have to think Enoch is literature, but you do have to give it accorded the kind of respect that the early church gave it. The early church, some believed Enoch, first, first Enoch, there's multiple, first Enoch, second Enoch, third Enoch. I'm only talking about first Enoch. But the early church, most all the early church believed that the book of first Enoch was either scripture or 
if it's not scripture, it's still uh, legitimate historical or theological uh, works that they can draw from. They respected it. It had some kind of authority, even if it wasn't biblical authority. Why did they do that? Because he's quoted and referred to in the book of Jude and multiple other, I, I have a whole, I have a, it's not a booklet, but it is an article called Enoch, or no, the book of Enoch, heresy or scripture or heresy. But if you get my book, if you get my book, when giants were upon the earth, you will get my a complete chapter on the book of Enoch. And I explain a lot of this and why we as Christians, I used to think only the Bible, only the Bible. And I do, I'm sola scripture in that the Bible is the sole ultimate authority, but that doesn't mean it's the only authority. And it doesn't mean it's the only book that says anything true. <laughs> so it's like you, there can be truth in other theological works. How do we know it's true? Well, if the Bible quotes from this other literature, then at least you can say as a Christian, I don't believe it's scripture, but I believe there's legitimate ideas in that book because the, the authors would, the, the scriptural authors would not quote and refer to it in multi, from multiple cases. Jude refers to all these things. Um, I, I, I explain that all in, in, in and my and book. It's a common language they would have between each other. Because if, if somebody, if I said to you in this, in this, conversation. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, save 10% for the big guy. Well, if somebody came 300 years from now and they looked at that, they would have known that was just a common slang that <laughs> I would have said, and you would have known who I was talking about, you know? Yeah, exactly. It, 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 so it would have been like exactly. something out of context. And it, I wouldn't even have to explain it because you know exactly everything that I was talking about and the case and the insinuation that's involved. And so but I, I think if people are looking back on this, you would have to also know that I'm talking about that that person. And, and my chapter on Enoch in that book, it, it sort of describes my own personal journey. Cause again, I'm an evangelical Christian who's kind of have tended, tended to see the Bible as, you know, I'm not tended. I mean, the Bible is my ultimate authority for ultimate authority for truth about God. And, and um, so for me, I had always had problems with the book of Enoch because it well, it's not scripture, but when I had to, when I finally faced the fact that not only Jude but several other passages refer to the book of Hebrew in in the New Testament, refers and quotes from he, from Enoch, I have to change my thinking on that. I have to at least say, well, okay, even if it isn't scripture, I have to accord it some value because the scriptural authorities are according it value, right? So if I'm going to be sola scriptura, I have to respect the book of Enoch. And I'm, I'm making all this argument because it was hard as a Christian. Again, I feel like we've been, uh, and I, you know, I come from a typical evangelical background. So I've had all the prejudices and biases of, that they had, and I've had to work through them all. And that's why, that's why I'm sharing these details in, in the hopes that others who are listening can you know, can, can, um, not react so negatively, ah, oh, it's heresy or whatever, as many Christians often do, because they don't think through things, you know? Well, you would, so, you'd probably been uncomfortable at a, at a dinner table with Jesus and Jude, and you'd have been a little bit out of step when they're making references. You'd been like, I don't get the joke. I don't get what you're talking yeah, about. You'd yeah, be yeah, this exactly. third wheel. If you, if you had that cut off from your thinking. Now, the reason why I'm laying all this down is because in the book of Enoch, Remember I said that the Bible does not say where de demons come from. It just says they're evil spirits. But the book of Enoch does have an argument where the evil spirits come from. And the argument is they are the spirits of the dead 
Nephilim. Remember before the flood, or the, remember the ones who died in the flood, remember they're hybrid beings. So what they believed was the demons that are floating around in the air, so to speak, I mean, their concept was, you know, yeah, they're floating around in the air and then they're looking for bodies to inhabit. Well, <clears throat> think about this. If the Bible talks about w- when humans die, they go to Sheol or Hades, right? The Bible talks about the place of the dead. Of course, there's differences now in the New Testament, but nonetheless. Um, and it says no one's ever, no one has ever escaped the place of the dead, right? So no, no man comes back except for those resurrected by God himself, of course. But so the idea there was, biblically speaking, evil spirits couldn't be human spirits, right? And then they couldn't be uh, spirits of angels because angels are are in the heavenly realm. And if I don't, I, I mean, I don't know where you get the idea that an angel could die and then his spirit, you know, maybe you could, <laughs> but the idea was that angels are intrinsically within that heavenly realm. But could, remember. If the Nephilim were hybrids of human and angels, then they would be this strange creature that, as an angel, it couldn't go to Sheol, because humans die and go to Sheol. But as a human, it's not like it would go to heaven. So where would it be? It would wander the earth, because because of the fact that it's a hybrid nature. And of course, it's malicious, as the Bible says the Nephilim were, basically malicious, right? So that's where this idea of demons are the the dead spirits, the spirits of the dead Nephilim. And here's why I think that's important. Well, what's, what's the point? Well, so, so what I'm saying is I accept that as a strong possibility I, I accept it as what I accept it as the best definition of demons because there's no better definition of demons I can find anywhere, and um, and it fits the theology of the Bible in this sense. Think about what I've been talking about. The war of the seed has been that the seed of the serpent, right? The Nephilim, the hybrid, the evil, evil monsters, whatever, trying to stop the bloodline of Messiah, and David wipes them out physically. There's no more mention of giants after that, but they're still evil and there still has to be a Messiah and the land is still polluted and corrupt. How, how so? How is that? Well, not only were, you know, there's, there's a worship of, of false gods and stuff still going on in Israel, but when Messiah does come, Messiah, he is the one that is cleansing the land for his rule. And if the Nephilim are dead spirits, that's why he has to cast them out and cast them into the abyss and get them out. He's got to do the cleansing of the land that was never fully done with David, see? And so he's doing what David did, but he's doing it in a final sense. Wow. I wish you'd have been around like when I was in grade school and you could have been like my like my Bible teacher, you know, because uh, this is, it, 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 it makes... It makes the stuff that when you're talking about sin and all the things like this makes it in a context where you realize what we're actually trying to do here yeah, and, yeah. and and what the enemy really is. Yeah. So, but remember how like, or I mean, some people have pointed this out, like there's really no, there's really, uh, the Old Testament doesn't really speak much about, well, it speaks about occultic things and, and evil but there's not about demons and evil spirits running around. You know what I mean? There's no, like I said, there's maybe one possession at most that you really hear about. 
there's demonic things, but not like in the days of Jesus. Like you don't hear about that until Jesus comes. And then all of a sudden, all these possessed people, right? And he's going on casting them out. Well, what's going on? Well, I think what's happening is they recognize the Messiah, the seed of this of the woman has come to, to kill us. And so that's what all of a sudden there's this rise of demonic possession that's going on in the, t- in the arrival of Jesus. That's that sort of climactic final battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the, of, of the woman, you know. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what am I going to do about my finances? You know, times are really changing. They're changing fast. Let me give you a quick example of how in 1920, if you had a $20 bill and one ounce of gold, you could go into any men's clothing store and buy an entire suit. Wow. The, the jacket, the shirt, the belt, shoes, the whole bit. Today, that $20 bill, what's it going to get you? Not much. Maybe the socks, maybe a <laughs> handkerchief, but the one ounce of gold could still buy you the entire suit at any men's store in America. That's the difference. That's what inflation does to your dollar. It's a deflating dollar caused by inflation. Now, today, that's happening faster than ever. You need somebody that you trust that can help get you out of a fake currency and into something that's going to keep you safe. And we know a guy that has two PhDs by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. We have known him for over 25 years, and he's someone we completely trust. You need somebody that you can get a hold of, somebody that's going to be there for you to get back out of it, and then maybe back into the stock market, maybe back into something else when things settle down. But right now is not that time. You need somebody that you trust and somebody you can call and make those worries go away. That's exactly right. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information for your free consultation, or you can call 720-605-3900. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a my pillow or not, you need to get the brand new my pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better and cooler too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit mypillow.com. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.